uh, we are starting a brand new series today. And uh, before I tell you what it is called, if you haven't seen it already, um, I want you to take a moment at your table and share your favorite hide-and-seek story. It could be a personal one from you growing up. It could be something your kids did during hide, playing hide-and-seek. But I want you to share a personal hide-and-seek story just to get our gears grinding and moving in that direction. Go! All right, so that kind of got our gears turning. I have so many hide-and-seek stories I could tell you. I've told you before that my kids, when they play hide-and-seek with grandma and grandpa, grandma and grandpa have taught them this now. If it's going too long, they tell you to make noise so they can find you. Um, kids, that defeats the whole purpose of hide-and-seek. Um, but my favorite hide-and-seek story, when growing up, of course, I grew up on the farm, and so hide-and-seek was not intense enough. We did something called kick the can. If you never played kick the can, the object of the game is not just to not get caught. The object of the game is to kick the can. And then you are safe. But not only are you safe, everyone who got caught before you is safe. And so it added a little emphasis on the catcher to make sure that nobody got to the can. And we didn't actually kick a can. I'm sure some people did. But um, we used to kick a ball. Um, and as you can imagine, there's a little bit of intensity, there's a little bit of franticness, and we had a big yard. And my favorite story from Kick the Can was we were having a bunch of guys, a bunch of girls and guys and girls out, and it was coming to the end of the game, starting to get dark out. Everyone had been caught. We had the supreme catcher of our group, and he was on his A game that night. And all but one of us was caught. And so we're sitting there waiting, just hoping that said person would make it back and that we wouldn't be completely defeated in this game. And as it's getting darker, it's getting longer, the seeker is looking, and then all of a sudden, now before I tell you what happened next, you need to understand something about my yard. As all good Saskatchewan farms have, we have this windbreak around our yard. And by the road, it went a row of poplars, two rows of caraganas, and a row of evergreens. You know, a little privacy there too. As we're sitting there waiting patiently, all of a sudden, crash and screaming, and, ah, 
and out of the caragannas emerges the hider. Instead of running around the trees like any normal person would have done, he was so committed to making sure we won, he went through the caragannas, through the second row of caragannas, through the evergreens, emerges with branches coming out of places branches shouldn't be. But he's quite proud of himself because the catcher wasn't going through there. Only a crazy person would do that. Anyways, we won, but uh, scared the tar out of everyone that was waiting for him because all you hear is rustle, rustle, rustle. Ah! Like, mm. Anyways, it's great. It's fun. I appreciated it. Um, I have other stories. I could pick on so many people with stories of hide and seek. But uh, <coughs> this morning, I want you to think about that idea of hide and seek. It's not called hide and have a look around. It's called hide and seek because seek has a little bit more intensity than just simply having a look. And we're going to look at this word seek over the next four weeks because it's the word that is used in Scripture a lot. Um, But before we do, I want you to think of hide and seek. And hide and seek, or kick the can, or however you played it, was only fun as long as everyone was giving their best. The one thing that would kick, that would kill a game of hide and seek and kill a game of kick the can <coughs> is if you got somebody in there that wasn't giving all their effort. The one that just kind of was like, oh, ho-hum, I'm losing, I'm getting beat. And all it took was one or two people not putting it all in, and the game was dead. And I want you to keep that image in mind of the difference between a good game where everyone's giving their all in a bad game where there's a couple people that are just not putting in the effort. So for the next four weeks, our series is called Seek and You Will Find. Um, we have seen this word a couple times back in January and February when we were going through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, a couple of popular occurrences of Seek and You Will Find, Matthew 7. Keep on knocking, knocking, keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Um, So twice. Um, In fact, in this, in Scripture, The word seek appears 95 times over the course of 93 scriptures. So seek is a big idea. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to look at what are we supposed to be seeking? What gets in the way of our seeking? um, What are we not supposed to seek? um, Because the reality is, as human beings, we are always seeking something. We are always pursuing something. Um, As we go through... (coughs) Just to kind of give you a little bit of a definition, when we, use the, we, when we use that word in English, we simply mean to look for something. Literally, go to the Google definition of seek to find something. <laughs> uh, thanks, English. Um, but 
when we get into the scripture and we get into the original languages, we see something that's much richer, much deeper, a little bit more emphasis on it. Um, in the Old Testament, when you see the word seek, there's an expectation to extend great effort to find it. So it's not just to find it, but you are going to work at finding it. You're not going to rest until you find it. It, it has this emphasis of that you're going to seek with expectation. You're not just going to look and hope you find it, but you actually are looking, expecting to find whatever it is you're looking for. And you're going to look with diligence. You're going to look with care because you don't want to accidentally miss it. So you're going to put great effort into it. You're going to expect it, and you're going to put diligence in it. Then we get to the New Testament. And then again, the New Testament picks up this idea of expectation, that as we seek this thing, we expect to find it. Um, other cases, it talks about how we have like this strong desire, almost a craving for this thing that we are seeking. So it's not, again, it's not just, eh, it's not there, oh well, but it is this craving, there is this expectation, like I can't live without this thing. So with that in mind, with those kind of underlying definitions of seek, that it's not just having a look, but it's this craving, desire, expectant, diligent pursuit of something. Then we get to this verses like this, Matthew 6, 33, which we read a few weeks ago. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Seek the kingdom of God above all all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need that makes sense now because it's this whole this idea of i am going to diligently seek and pursue not that the kingdom of god needs to be found but that we want to see it achieved we want to see the kingdom of god lived and realized in our day um it's the way Jesus taught us to pray, Matthew 6.10. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It is not just, oh, God, I hope it happens, but it's this expectation, pursuit, this I am going to do whatever it takes to see this come and to see this realized. <coughs> and before we dive into the whole, what does this look like and how do we get into this, I want to remind us that as we go through Scripture, God never tells us to do something he hasn't already set an example of for us. So God calls us to love one another. Why? Because God is love. First John says that. God is not loving. He is the very definition in lo of love. Within the person of God is love at its perfectness if that's even a word. God calls us to serve, serve and leader. Why? Not because it's all about him, but because if you look at the way God interacts with us, God serves us. He leads us by serving us, by putting our needs above, I mean, not above his own. He's perfectly sustained, but he puts us first. As a good parent puts their kid first, God serves us. And so he says, as my children... You also serve one another. And so God calls us to seek him, to seek his kingdom. And the reason he asks us to do that is because he first sought 
us. And to unpack this, we're going to go to Luke 15. So if you have your paper Bible, you can go to Luke 15, or you got your app, however you want to look at it. <coughs> Luke 15, a couple of great parables from Jesus. Um, anyways, we're going to read them, then I'll unpack them for you. Uh, Luke 15, starting in verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen, listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, He'll call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over the 99 others who are righteous and have never strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels, even when even one sinner repents. Now, typically, when we read this parable, it is an exhortation to the church to be, Go and seek. Right? Go and find the lost. Go find someone who doesn't know Jesus and tell them about the gospel and share your testimony. And, but, in order for, but before we get there, we need to remind, remember that Jesus is the good shepherd. He says this in John 10. I am the gate. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the good shepherd, and my sheep recognize my voice. And as the good shepherd, it is Jesus who pursues us. And yet it doesn't matter how long you've been a believer, whether you've been one your whole life and, you've been, and you can't even remember the day you committed, you haven't been one for long, or you haven't, or you're not even a believer yet, you're still weighing out this whole Jesus thing. I want you to know that we all started there. We all started separated enemies of God. And while we were still enemies, God forgave us. But not only did he forgive us, he pursued us. He left the 99. I remember... Um, the song Reckless Love was big, and it was controversial because some people liked it and some people didn't. But, um, but the recklessness, you have 100 sheep, you have 99, we're good, right? In my mind, I'm like, we, we, uh, one gone, fine, we've got the, but the good shepherd says, they're fine, I need to go find the lost one. That's the recklessness in which God pursued each and every one of us. That's how diligently he sought you out. That's how diligently he came after you. You are here today, not by your own will, but because God came after you first. He seeks you until you are found. One of the interesting things about seek in the Old Testament is that it doesn't always apply to God. Why? Because God always finds what he's looking for. God doesn't have to seek there's nowhere you can go. He won't find you. But it's the reminder that God pursues us. And he didn't stop pursuing you just because you became a believer. God pursues you every day. 
And this is good news because we go through stuff. And often when we're going through stuff, we go through it alone, or at least it feels like it. The truth is, you're never alone. The truth is, is that God never stopped pursuing you. God never stopped looking for you. He never stops diligently taking care of you. His love didn't become less reckless just because you're now a son or daughter of God. God continues to pursue. He continues to seek you. He continues to be reckless in his abandon for you. And that's that's good. That's exciting. That's awesome because who else is that reckless in seeking you out? Yeah, pop quiz. Nobody. Nobody seeks you the way God seeks you. Nobody comes after you the way God comes after you. No one supports you the way God supports you. (coughs) And so all God is saying is, this example I have set as the good shepherd who leaves the 99 to go for the one, just like the woman who leaves the nine coins and cleans everything to find the one, God will do, God does the same diligence, the same recklessness, the same level of pursuit for each and every one of you. And all he asks in return is that we return the favor. That we would in turn seek him, seek his kingdom with the same abandon, the same diligence, the same energy that he seeks you, not just every day, but every moment of every day. God is pursuing you. No matter what you're going through, no matter how long it's been since your last devotion time, no matter how long it's been since you put in the effort, God still is putting in the effort because he loves you more than you could ever comprehend with a depth and a richness that we will find nowhere in all of creation. God loves you. He seeks you. And all he asks in return is that we do the same. And oftentimes what happens is is that the definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of others. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Thinking about others first. And what often gets in the way of seeking is our pride. Because the question now becomes, if we're not seeking God and his kingdom first, what are we seeking first? What is getting in the way of our pursuit of our Heavenly Father? What is getting in the way of our pursuit of seeing his kingdom realized here on earth? And the reality is, is that we all have that thing. We all have something that just tickles our emotions, that just tickles our 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 inner being and we're just like I'm going to pursue this for a little bit and then I'll get back to God later and what God is saying is in the same way that I abandon everything for you you need to abandon everything for me so the question is what are you seeking what is getting in the way of seeking God the way he seeks you Everyone in the house, there's questions on the table. I'm going to pray, and you're going to go to discussion time. Everyone online, the slides are going to pop up with the questions, so you can follow along. Uh, but if you got to go, you can go. Uh, but I'm going to pray, and if you got to run, you can run. Um, but I want you to prepare yourself, because as we go through this idea of seeking, it starts by 
getting the stuff out of the way that prevents us from seeking things that God calls us to seek. That's where we're starting today, is what are we seeking, and does it need to take a, set, a, side, a back seat to the pursuit of God's kingdom? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you would make us seekers of you. God, that we would pursue your will, we would pursue your kingdom. God, that we would reflect the love and abandon that you seek us with. God, I thank you so much that while we were sinners, while we were still enemies of you, you came after us, you forgave us, and you opened a door for us to have a relationship with you. And so God, may that every day inspire us to seek you with the same level that you sought us. And as we seek you and learn more about you, may we grow in our faith and grow in our relationship and become the men and women that you have called us to be. May we be sanctified. May we be made righteous. May we become more, may your kingdom become more realized the more we seek and pursue it. God, we love you. We give you all our praise and thanks in your precious name. Amen.